What's good? Will Freeman, RevolutionaryLifestyleDesign.com, talking to you today about how to make the central banking fiat system work for you. And I don't just mean beating inflation. And I don't just mean beating inflation very well and getting wealthy, because that's just outrunning inflation on the treadmill. At the end of the day, your net worth is losing anywhere from 3% to 15 to 20% a year based on the government statistics or the trueflation statistics, which post-pandemic look like it was about 15% a year. The rest of the decade, we don't know where that's going, but we know that the debt is continually going up. They're continually raising the debt ceiling and the Fed and the commercial banks are going to continually print more money. And at some point, uh, there's probably going to be a problem uh, we could see a lot higher inflation this decade. Also, like many other countries experienced over the last 100 years, there's a potential for hyperinflation. I don't think it's a high potential, but it's certainly a potential. And so just doing well in business and investing and beating that inflation per year can get you very far, but you are not really making the money game work for you to where you would actually prefer the central banking fiat system to another hard money system based by Bitcoin or by gold that a lot of the libertarians would uh, prefer to return to. Um, ideally, they would prefer without the central bank and without a sort of an, a usury-based, inf uh, inflation-based system which I think is quite unlikely to happen, although you are seeing countries like El Salvador use Bitcoin as a currency. You can also spend it for certain things in Panama. We could see some countries that potentially try a hard money system, um, but I would say that it's probably gonna be a, a real problem for them uh, you know, to try and step out of the central banking system. But at the end of the day, we've gotta play the game that we have. If that's the game, then the focus would be on maximizing how to win in that game. As for now, the current game is the central banking fiat system, and it doesn't do you any help to fight against it or rail against it or wish it were different. At the end of the day, that's outside of our control, and we need to play the game that's in front of us and play the cards the way that they're dealt. And so I'm talking about making the money game not just beat inflation, but work for you. A true player doesn't do well um, at the game. He takes it to the next level and makes the game work for him. So to do so, you need to understand the game and you need to understand how money's created. So according to Richard Werner, who you should really study, 97% of the money supply is currently created by commercial banks in the form of credit, not the Fed. Fed only creates about 3%. Fed also creates money in the form of credit. And Richard Warren has done this study uh, with a London bank where he took out a $200,000 loan and got into the back end and saw exactly how it was created with their permission and it is created purely through an accounting entry. It is not, as most people think, a transfer from someone else's funds to your loan um, where they're you know, loaning out customers' deposits to you um, to fund your loan, it does not work that way. The way that it works is they 
directly create money by giving you that loan. It is not any type of transfer. Now, yes, their reserve requirements to be able to issue a loan are based on the deposits they have. That's true. But the customer's deposit is not just loaned out to all these different people. Um, it's not, you're, you're not receiving 200000 in a loan from someone's deposits being temporarily, temporarily transferred to you. No, that's not the case. They create it out of nothing. The Fed creates a loan. They issue that to the government at interest. Then the government sells that loan to greater population in the form of bonds, or they issue it sometimes in stimulus checks, or it's going towards welfare or things of that nature. But at the end of the day, the money is created as debt, and it is created out of nothing. And the bulk of it is by the commercial banks. Most people think it's the Fed. It's not. It's the commercial banks. And credit is money. It is a debt-based system. Credit is money. Okay. So when you go into the bank and get $200,000, they're creating that for you. And that $200,000 loan is now in the circulation of the money supply. If that $200,000 did not exist until you came in and got it created for you. Prior to you, there was no money. After you, it is now in circulation. And without getting credit, the best you can do is get other people to give you money, either legally through salesmanship, that's all the business is, or OnlyFans, that's salesmanship, seeking, that's girls doing salesmanship, or illegally, which is through force, um, by violent means, which obviously is illegal and unethical. But you cannot get the game to create money for you unless you are getting a loan because money is debt. That is the only time new money is being created. So as long as you are not utilizing debt, the best you can do is get other people to give you money, which as you know, as an entrepreneur can be quite difficult. Now I'm not telling you to get personal debt. Personal debt for consumption is complete trash. It's great to have as much personal credit as you can get as a last resort and to build your credit profile, which allows you to get business credit. But buying lifestyle goods and services on personal debt is dumb. If you need debt to fund your lifestyle, it means you're probably never going to get out of it unless you go super hard on your income. But if you're going super hard on your income, you wouldn't needed a bunch of personal debt to pay for your lifestyle. It's a lack of discipline as well that shows that you spend more than you make. And most people that get into personal debt are never, ever getting out. Personal debt is terrible unless it is just unutilized credit that you're using for building your profile to get more business credit or in case of a last resort. Corporate debt, on the other hand, I've come to realize I've had a major revelation in a limited liability company is fantastic. It is how everyone got rich. And if you're not utilizing it, you are not playing the game to your full advantage. You're not making the system work for you. And most importantly, you are not in a place where you would actually prefer this system. 
the loopholes are set up for wealthy people to allow other wealthy people to stay wealthy. They are business credit and a limited liability company. If companies weren't uh, limited liability, if you were personally liable for everything, there would be so many fewer companies and, and much less people willing to take the risk of starting a business. And they certainly would be much less willing to take the risk of taking on a business loan if you knew that you were personally liable and that you would owe that for the rest of your life and there would be no loan forgiveness. But because those things exist, it allows a system for people to utilize that to become very wealthy and it allows the wealthy to stay wealthy and not worry too much about if their business fails. There's a certain former president who I think ran four companies into bankruptcy, does not care, able to get more loans, one of the best salesmen of all time, just able to get funding from that company, puts it into his new company, gets loans into his new company. He can talk bankers into getting him money forever, knows how to play the game and has been on record talking about that it is just a game. And uh, he played that game into the presidency. And it's the same with all the, the other players, you know, the Jeff Bezos, the Bill Gates, the Steve Jobs, they all took on corporate debt. Apple, at the height of its earnings, when it's a trillion dollar company, um, during the pandemic, I think they took around 30 billion in corporate debt because interest rates were cheap. Why not get a bank to create $30 billion for you when you're paying, they're probably locked in at some you know, 2% or 1% because interest rates were so cheap during the pandemic um, or, or before the rate hikes, right? So why not take 30 billion, 40 billion, 50 billion if you can get it and you're locked in at a rate of 1% or 2%, right? Um, you know, as long as Apple exists, they're going to be able to pay back 2%. Even though they had, they're a trillion dollar company and they have, I don't know, hundreds of billions in cash from what I've heard. They're very, a very cash rich company. They're still gonna get 30, 40 billion because they don't have to go earn it from people and struggle and strive for two, three years of, of profit to get that money, to pay all the operators, to pay the business tax um, and all these different things when they can just get someone to create it for them. Literally put it in their business bank account, create it in their business bank account for them. And all they have to pay for that is one or 2% a year. Much easier than going to run the company for two or three years and, and take that out as profit from revenue after taxes. So when you're wealthy enough, Banks will create $100 million for your corporation with you not even having to be liable for a single penny. And this is how the true players play the game. And those funds are just sitting there in their business bank account. Their business bank account is not that much different from their personal accounts because they're able to draw whatever salary they want out of that. They're able to take whatever dividend they want out of that after, um, of course, paying taxes. Uh, so it's very similar to a consumption-based loan for $100 million, except they're not liable for it, and they're obviously not going to use it for consumption. 
they are going to use that to buy more clients, more customers, more revenue, and they're going to pay it back at these historically low interest rates. So understand this, that uh, inflation is not a cause, it's an effect. Uh, all a yearly inflationary or inflation statistic means is that prices have gone up. It's just, if you're looking at the 2022 inflation rate, which I think is 15%, if you're looking at true inflation, what that means is that just that we're looking back and observing prices for these particular goods and services went up 15%. They are a basket of goods that represents the economy, therefore, goods and services in general went up 15%. Um, if you look at inflation in housing or equities, it's actually probably higher because you might not know, but inflation applies to not just goods and services, but every asset. But if you're looking at the general economy, you're using the basket of goods, 15% applies to the whole economy. All that means is, is just we look back and prices went up. That's it. Inflation is an effect because for the prices going up is, you guessed it, more debt. So the banks loan out more money, give more money to people to stimulate the economy. People spend more money. The Fed loans more money to the Treasury. Treasury cuts everyone a stimulus check. What do people do with the money? Do they invest in a business? Do they invest in inflation-proof assets? No, they take the money and they buy stuff on Amazon, they buy Netflix, they buy Oreos, they buy consumer goods, and the prices for all those things go up. Why? Because retailers see a market increase in demand, and therefore they raise prices in accordance with that. They also raise prices in accordance with their monitoring inflation. They're seeing the cost of goods go up, um, therefore their employees need to spend more to pay for their lifestyle. Therefore, they need to pay their employees more. Therefore, they need to raise their prices. And in a lot of those cases, these large companies that we're talking about, they benefited from that because Amazon, Netflix, these are large companies. They know how to play the game. They got corporate debt, um, public debt in the form of you know company bonds and they're playing the game very well and they benefit also from the inflationary system when all this money's created in debt and people buy more Amazon, more Netflix. In fact, most of these companies would fail um, if it wasn't an inflationary system. That's how well they're playing the game. That's how far to the edge they're playing the game. So that's the actual cause of inflation more money being loaned out either by the Fed to the government who then loans it to the citizens in the form of bonds or commercial banks. To further understand, check out how GDP actually works. Uh, GDP is outright counterproductive to the well-being of a citizen. Despite GDP being the leading metric of a healthy economy, GDP, again, like inflation, just measures the total revenue of goods and services sold in the economy. That just means prices for goods and services are going up because we have to pay those prices, right? And unless we're getting a bunch of foreign investment, which can be the case, you know, more goods are sold 
mortgages and services are sold because foreign investments coming in buying them. Therefore, we're bringing money into the economy that didn't exist. We're taking it out of foreign countries, making our country richer. I'm using it as American as an example. I'm Canadian and I live in Southeast Asia, but just as an example, if you're an American, money's coming in. We're taking money from other countries. Goods are going up. Services are going up. That's you know somewhat beneficial to the country, right? Um, to the to the citizen, you know, in some cases, yes, uh, because it benefits the economy. But his goods and services are still going up. And if but if his income isn't going up in proportion or beyond that, he's actually losing. But the the majority of the price of goods and services going up is is inflation. Um, studies show that forty percent of the current prices are, you know, based on this inflationary system, right? And so GDP is a measurement of all the goods and services. That should be going down for citizens' well-being to go up. He should be able to buy more goods and services each year than he did the year before. He should be celebrating GDP going down. Now, it's not that as black and white in that because if there's a massive drop in GDP, it's usually because there was a war or um, a depression or some economic collapse. Um, there are... As I said, you know, foreign investment or economic collapse uh, scenarios that that can affect GDP, and it's not good. Um, but I'm saying, as a general principle, the citizen should be able to, in an ideal system, which the the fiat system is not for the average citizen, but it can be for you. The he should be able to buy less, or sorry buy more goods and services for the same amount of money. If he's worth $10,000 in 2022, by 2023, he should be able to buy more toilet paper and more TVs for the same amount of money. That would mean his net worth is, is appreciating over time, or should at the least be able to buy the same amount of goods. But even if it's able to buy the same amount of goods, if there's just a 0% inflation, goods should still be getting cheaper because there's been such an exponential increase in technology through you know logistics and shipping and companies like Amazon that if we didn't live in an inflation-based system the price of, of toilet paper and all these things that are sold on Amazon would be so much cheaper it, it would have been going down steadily for the last 20 or 30 years um, you know due to the rapid increases in, in technology the same with you know, food, like food used to have to be shipped, you know, uh, three months, you know, from another country into America in, in, cause they didn't have it in that season. Right. Um, you know, now it, it's, can be flown over on, you know, ultra fast ships or planes, or, you know, they're able to build trees that would grow that type of food locally. Um, there's been so many advances that, the, in, a, in a perfect system for the average citizen, the price of goods would, would have been going drastically down every year as, as technology has gone exponentially uh, upwards. So, as I said, without the inflationary-based system, um, which is 40% of prices, direct result of credit expansion, uh, which gives normal people more money to spend, because they're constantly being loaned uh, personal consumption loans, right? Or they're getting money 
from the government in the form of welfare, in the form of or increasing welfare, um, stimulus checks, soon to be UBI, and therefore they buy more Oreos, uh, they buy more NFTs, they buy more Amazon, and they buy more mortgages. A mortgage is not an asset, that is a liability that you are personally liable for. It is a, a property that you own 10% of and the bank owns 90% and charges you interest and you can't make any money on it. It, it could only be considered an asset if you either own the entirety of it or if you own, let's say, 10 or 20 or 30% of rental property and you were able to pay off the interest with rent plus earning something on top of that, plus owning an asset that keeps pace with inflation that you will eventually pay off by someone else's money with, with them paying for the asset, not you, and done through a business corporation uh, where you're not liable. So that is a business and that is taking a corporate debt and that is a business loan. And guys like Grant Cardone have played that game to the maximum and done very well with it. That is not a personal loan for a mortgage, which is usually not a good deal unless you are just, you know, a wealthy person already. You've got everything tied up in your business. You could easily pay for it, but you choose to just keep it in the business and just use the home to build your personal credit. And, you know, you don't want to rent because you don't want to, you know, have to deal with a landlord or whatever. So the system is the average person is having his net worth eaten by inflation, going deeper into debt each year that he's personal, personally liable for, doesn't own a corporation where you can get loans that he could use to buy more clients and customers and therefore more revenue and not even be liable for that company or for those loans and owes no assets of note um, and mortgage is not a liability. The average American has less than 10000 in in savings, or no, sorry, 50%. They don't own equities. They don't own any assets outside of a mortgage, which is they think is an asset, which is actually a liability. It is a horrendous system for the average person. However, when you have a good high margin business and a good flywheel, okay, which is like a marketing machine where you can, let's say, run ads, you get 100% return on the ads within a month or so, right? and just keep funneling that money into more ads, which gets you more clients, more customers, more clients brings in more revenue, that pushes you back into ads. That's how you get really rich. Uh, that's how everyone got rich on the Forbes 500 list, is they went into one business and they scaled it. Even Warren Buffett, his business is Berkshire Hathaway. He runs a service business where he does 20% a year, market does 8%. That 12% has got, you know, $80 billion worth of net worth for him because he was able to convince people to invest in his service business. Um, but ultimately, you want that flywheel. Um, you know, the, the traditional investments aren't going to get you rich unless you're already rich and then they make you richer. You need something that's going to do those 10, 20,000 um, percent. And you want to have that compounding monthly. But if you do, if you're just running on a business and a flywheel and you're compounding monthly and you're crushing inflation and you're 
scaling your net worth exponentially, you're doing great, but you're still just running a treadmill just very far ahead of inflation. If you were to stop making money, it might take 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, 70 years, 80 years, but eventually inflation is going to eat away almost all your purchasing power. If you were just just leave money in, in cash and, okay, you could invest and hopefully your assets would keep pace with inflation, but ultimately you're still running against it. You're using those assets to keep inflation at bay, at least until there's some high inflation or hyperinflation season, which there will be even in the U.S. dollar. It happens in every currency. We just don't know when that will be. Um, so ultimately, once the high inflation or the hyperinflation comes for you, you know, you're going to get hit. Now, granted, if you're doing 10 million a year or whatever, you're going to be good. I'm just saying as a general principle, it's good, but it's not making the game work for you to where you're like, ooh, I would rather play this game than the hard money game. To where you really make it work for you is when you're able to generate good revenue in your business, then you're able to build the flywheel, reinvest, and then you're able to use that revenue to go to the banks and get 500,000 in business credit. Or you're able to get $5 million in an, in an SBA loan, which you should definitely be looking at as an American, where the government covers 90 or insures 90% of it. So banks are much more um, likely to issue that kind of a loan, especially when you have a good uh, revenue turnover in your business and you can tell them, hey, it's going to this marketing flywheel that's already working, right? So you get your SBA loan at $5 million you owe 8% a year, you'll murder that because you're, you've got this money machine. You take the 5 million and you're putting it right into um, getting clients and customers. You're going from being in three states to all 52 states in a year's time with that amount of marketing. Um, or maybe you're not going that fast, but you get the idea. And it's only then, once you are playing the game to the maximum, making it work for you, because until then you have to get other people to give you money, right? Let's say you're earning $3 million a year total revenue. How long is it going to take you, even if you have 50% margins, to get $5 million in the bank account after paying everybody, after paying business taxes, after taking out your salary and paying taxes on that? How long will it take you to get that $5 million in, in, um, in your business bank account? might be two or three years. As opposed to when you go get that loan, once it's approved, it's in your account in two or three days, and you didn't have to go through all that trouble and effort over two or three years to get that money. They just created it for you. And the price to own it is 8% a year, which you already crush. You'll know that with certainty because you're already crushing that in your business, and you just be doing more of the same. So if you are not aiming to do that, in my opinion, you are fucking up. Now, I'm not saying to do that right now um, or to do that recklessly. I'm saying to look into getting business credit once your business is at a stage where you can properly utilize that and um, be able to well outpay the interest, right? Because you don't want to bankrupt your business, even if it's a limited liability company and you're not personally liable for it. Um, well, that's at least in terms of loans. In terms of business credit, I would say get as much as you can, 
let me clarify, the loan is something where the interest payment starts immediately. Business credit, if you can go and get, you know, 500K in business credit, like a line of credit or, you know, a 500K limit on your card, go ahead and get that immediately because that's no harm to you. You only have to pay interest when you spend it. But for the loans, make sure you're in the proper position. Again, though, to get these kind of funds, you do have to be able to get to a certain level in your business, um, which obviously takes effort. But once you're there, it gets easier and easier and easier over time because you're able to get this money, put it back into the business, increase the revenue, then the banks will give you more money. And then you can start to get 5 million, 10 million, 15 million. You can get people to invest in your business. You can get people to buy out your business and give you a juicy exit at like a 5X multiple or a 10X multiple. And if you do well enough, you can go public and then get all these people to buy in and get other people's money that way. But all those other options I mentioned, unless you are getting a loan or you're getting credit, you're not getting anyone to create money for you. You're just getting other people to give existing money to you. So you ideally want to be doing both. And if you're not doing both, you're not playing the game at the maximum level to where you prefer the system. That's the, that's the mark of a true game player is whatever game's in front of him, he gets his mind around to where he prefers that. Now, this is not an ethical commentary on the fiat banking system. This is not intended to rub you the wrong way and say that I support uh, the system. I'm not taking in this video any position one way or the other on it. This is just a video about facts and about how to play the game. The fact is to make the fiat system work for you means you are going to be in the 0.01% who understand the game, who work hard enough to build a revenue vehicle and are courageous enough to play the game, go get the debt and the limited liability limited liability company, put it to use, have the right strategy to use it if possible, uh, which is, you know, that's what every billionaire has done. It's what everyone on the Forbes 500 list has done. But I'd say 0.01%, you know, top, top one out of 10,000 to 100,000 are, are the guys who make this work for you. And just so you know, a decamillionaire is high net worth individual is top 50,000 out of 6 billion. Okay. So when we're talking about a net worth of 5 million, you know, maybe we're talking top 200,000, 300,000. I don't know exactly, but in that $10 million range, it's top 50,000 out of 6 billion. So, you know, I think you need to be over the next decade aiming for multiple seven figures. The game has changed post pandemic AI, all this stuff, inflation, um, and yeah, you need to be looking at, at being 0.01%. Um, and to do that, you'll probably need, or it'll certainly help you to get, uh, this corporate debt. So especially without liability. Um, but obviously this is a terrible soul crushing system for the average person. Uh, there's a reason usury was illegal for 700 years under the Catholic Church and to this day is illegal under Islamic law. Um, that being said, I have empathy for the average guy. I just don't want to be him. I don't think you should want to be him either. And we have to play the hand that we, we were dealt. So solution is not to be average. 
So with all that said, if you like this game and you are serious about the 0.1%, then I want you to check out my net worth course. This is my eight figure game plan, revolutionarylifestyledesign.com forward slash coaches. It is a game plan for you to get you to eight figures over the next decade or so. Um, it's not a guarantee by any means. It is merely a game plan that I've been strategizing basically the second the pandemic hit I started thinking about how am I going to play this and how does this change the world and we started to see AI reset coming monetary reset coming 15-minute cities carbon credit social credit ESG governance on your business coming which is going to cost on your home, um, AI is going to wipe out 40% of jobs. People are going to be on UBI. These are all out there publicly, uh, you know, stated by you know the various people that are that are moving this thing forward. Right? ChatGPT is out. That's going to crush 10, 15% of jobs right there. Uh, businesses are going to be affected. You're going to have to be using AI for your business. Uh, we had record high inflations, 30, 40 year high, debt exponentially expanding. Um, you know, debt ceiling is going to keep being raised. Threat of uh, the U.S. not being used as the as the petrodollar system anymore, with Saudi looking to perhaps do business with Russia and China. Russia moved off um, of SWIFT system. BRICS countries gathering together to build out uh, their own version of the system and perhaps their own um, currency or at least using their, you know, maybe they use the yuan or something as the currency for that. Um, so there's some real changes taking place here that I'm taking very seriously. And the life game that I was giving you in the 2010s, make 25 grand in a lifestyle business, move to Southeast Asia, Latin America, Eastern Europe, enjoy your life legally minimize or, or get rid of your taxes if you're a non-American. That's not the game plan for the 2020s as far as I'm concerned. Um, we are living in a rare, crazy time in history. And that's just what's going down in the next 10 years. Think about how AI and, and technology is going to expand and rapidly change things exponentially over the next decade, two decades, three decades, to the point where it's, it's almost impossible to make any prediction to it and in my opinion you can't bet on gold or bitcoin getting you through certainly own some right but we saw you know bitcoin during the pandemic cut down by 70 percent right not to mention there's going to be could very easily be convertibility issues in the future about banks not accepting payments that came from crypto exchanges or only certain crypto exchanges are allowed to um you know local bitcoins went down Right. So, you know, the peer to peer transitions may be affected. We don't know what's going to happen. And my opinion is this. I don't want to bet on something that could happen, that Bitcoin could become the global standard. We can use it everywhere. There's no convertibility issues. And it goes to the moon. It could. It could also go to zero. Gold could also be unsuppressed. You know, some of my clients who love gold talk about gold as always being suppressed. It may or may not be. I don't understand enough. I don't know if anyone does. Maybe it could become unsuppressed in 10x. And if you went all in gold, you're good. Assuming, again, there's no 
convertibility issues on gold like there were during the Great Depression. At the end of the day, you don't know. But here's what I do know is what I think will get you through is aiming for a net worth of 10 million by 2030. I think if you can do that, you have done well, unless there was some hyperinflation and 10 million means nothing. But I'm talking about 10 million in today's dollars and adjusted for whatever the inflation is. Or at the least, you've got multiple seven figures going off in businesses and maybe you've got, you know, three, four million adjusted for inflation or whatever. Either way, it's a bigger target than before. And then once you get your businesses, you know, you get flywheel, reinvestment, get you some corporate debt, scale it. You can scale out maybe another couple businesses once you're above it. And then you start to do the hedge and you buy everything. The gold, the Bitcoin, the rental property, etc. The plan is to have it all um, and a much higher target than before. I go into that in massive detail, stuff that you've never seen. This is basically three years of research and testing with my high net worth clients, with my friends, with myself. I account for psychology as well, how it's going to feel, as well as um, you know what's most practical, how to actually um, apply these techniques, where to buy the gold if you're going to buy the gold, um, what you need to do in your business. This is the survival and thrival game plan in terms of your net worth, both in terms of how I think you should go about getting it, but how I think you should go about protecting it. And more than that, if you like the game that was delivered in this vehicle, I go deep into game on the philosophy of money, how money actually works. And I don't care how successful you are, this stuff you've never seen anywhere. Uh, this is a deep dive into money and it will open your eyes in a massive way and I think you will come to the same conclusion that I've come to. And, you know, it's probably one of the best things that you could buy this decade is to have a game plan to make sure that your financial survival, but more importantly, your thrival is handled and you know exactly what you're doing and you're planned out your decade long financial goals. Other than that, I appreciate you watching this video. Appreciate your time. I know it was a long one, but God bless you. Thank you so much for watching. And I wish you all the best in the future.